Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we interview women executives, leaders, and entrepreneurs. And you're listening to the Well Woman Show, where motivated women achieve fulfillment and well-being. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. Take time for myself by coming to things like Well Woman Drinks. To be accepting of myself no matter what. Step away from judgment as much as possible. You're listening to the Well Women Show. Just, you're going to be in for a good ride. I don't regret anything. Everything I've ever done, I've learned from it, one way or another, good or bad. Being a little bit selfish for yourself, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first and then give what's left. I'm a woman. I would prefer to, to tell my own story. My story, though it's very personal, is universal. You're listening to the Well Woman Show. And now your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hi, Giovanna Rossi here, and welcome to another episode of The Well Woman Show, where I interview women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs about their lives and their road to becoming and being who they are today. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed with your responsibilities, and it seems like you'll never get it all done? Well, you're not alone. We all need to remember to use our superpowers, the ones we already have but don't use all the time, and take advice and wisdom from one another. Towards the end of the show, in a segment called Superpowers for Success, I ask my guest about her superpowers, and the answers will give you the strength, perspective, and power to keep on being the well woman you are. I'm so happy you're here, so thanks for tuning in. Today's topic is writing to heal, and hopefully by the end of the show, you'll be inspired to tap into your creative side to find emotional outlets, try writing to find new direction or purpose, and consider taking a writing class or going to a poetry slam. My guests today are Eva Crespin and Carolyn Flynn. Eva Crespin is a poet and slam poet. She's been writing and performing poetry since age 12 and has traveled around the U.S. performing her poetry. She's won numerous awards and is admired for creating poems around emotionally heavy topics at such a young age. Carolyn Flynn is a writer and editor who has worked for such publications and institutes as Sage Magazine and different universities. Carolyn is a seven-time published author, TEDx women's speaker, and winner of the 2014 Rick Bass Montana Prize for Fiction, and the owner of Soulfire Studios, which nurtures authors, business-minded artisans, and creative entrepreneurs. Today on the show, Eva and Carolyn talk about how they came to use writing as an emotional tool, how writing has advanced and shaped both of their lives and careers, and how beginners can start using writing as a tool to better know themselves. The free giveaway today is Carolyn Flynn's Tips for Getting Started Writing. And I love this giveaway because it gives you uh, quick, easy steps for getting started right away with telling your own story. Now to my interviews with Eva and Carolyn. I am sitting here this afternoon at a cafe with Eva Crespin, who's a poet in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Welcome to the program. Thank you. And Eva, can we get started with you reciting your the poem about your father that I heard you recite at the rail yard? And um, then we can have a conversation about it. Awesome. This poem is called Sunday. I wish I could sing, had a voice that carried like the wind, hummed a melody like a bird. Maybe I could have sang you the oldies while you passed, 
God, give me wings to fly. Dad, I just stopped by to drop you a few lines. May they find you in peace. Finally, out of your prison cell, I never heard your free birds sing because only the cage bird wrote me tunes. I wanted to call you Superman. It was a fantasy I replayed over and over again. You could have been invincible, able to dodge bullets like snowflakes. Your skin would have just melted them away. But somewhere I had to realize that Superman couldn't shoot up heroin. He was always stronger than the drug while most days you only existed within a black coal and a silver spoon. This kryptonite was so easy for you to keep giving in to. I wish I could sing. Maybe you would have heard me when I said I forgave you. I'd like to pretend that the tattoo on my leg makes my peace more substantial, but it doesn't make this ending any happier than the memories I have of my name engraved over your heart. Blood should have been thicker than ink, but ink was the only way you had to preserve my memory. It was Sunday. The tubes were plastic covered with breath. The waste bags were green because your liver had stopped working that evening. It was Sunday. This day never belonged to you. Didn't belong to your stories or those gel markings, those green-tinted tattoos. It was Sunday. I was 17 years old. I wasn't old enough to drink or smoke cigarettes or to even have my ID flipped. But I was old enough to hold your hand while you died. It was Sunday. The heart rate monitor dropped, beeping when you hit the danger zone. 36. 35. 34. 27, 26, 26, 26. When the line went flat, the room went dark. Your skin turned white, but your body was still warm. It was Sunday when I finally heard your free birds sing, and it sang me the oldies, searching, searching for God's answers. You were given wings to fly to make it easier to leave your body behind, and I know that heaven felt so unreachable, untouchable, like you couldn't hold it with your only human hands. But Dad, you were only human, so how could I blame you for your mistakes? I've been waiting on your death certificate because money is all you've left me with, and maybe now you can pay me in 20s instead of kept promises. I wish I could sing. I could sing your stories and let the beat flow with the oldies. Dad, I just stopped by to drop you a few lines. May they find you in peace. May they find you better in death. And as for me, maybe one day I'll learn to sing. And on days like Sunday, I'll write you a song for your memories. Okay. Well, that was Eva Crispin uh, reciting her poem about her father and Eva I mean I can barely speak because it's very very touching um is your writing about healing and forgiveness I think that a lot of writing is is a lot about healing uh for me personally it's a lot about healing and forgiveness and when my dad passed away I had to learn a lot to forgive him without him physically being here so the best thing I can do is write about it and then I can say everything I have to say. Now, um, did it take uh, you? You, your words are so eloquent, and you ha- have so much composure here while you're saying these profound, deeply um, felt words. Did it take you a while to get to that point, or could you always recite that poem without just completely being becoming the emotion that it? that it is with this poem in particular with any poem that you you feel a lot for that you've gone through in a personal experience 
there are times where you can recite it and you know you don't feel a whole lot or you you kind of just shut yourself down but there are times when you recite it and you perform it and I've cried on stage I've gotten choked up on stage especially when I see my family members in the audience it, it kind of messes me up but there are just some moments where I really it it hits me in the heart real hard and do you think writing this poem did actually help you with your path to forgiveness and ultimately healing from what is a pretty sad story? I'm still I'm still working on the healing part and the forgiveness part. I think that uh, writing the poem is helpful, but there's something about sharing it that is even more helpful to learn how to forgive and to heal because there are other people who go through the same things. And then when you say something, it kind of makes somebody else feel like they're not so alone and all of a sudden you don't feel so alone either. So I think it's just this ongoing path of learning to forgive and heal and it's a constant thing. And do you write most of your poetry in this way of, you know, working on something personal or what 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 kinds of things do you write? I'm all about personal writing. That's me personally. A lot of people like to write political things, but I love to write personal stories. I love to to kind of lay it out there and I, I try to be as honest as I can and it's not just for myself but it's a lot for myself but it's a lot for other people because I notice that when you're honest about the things that you've done that somebody else can say you know what I did something like that too and thank you for making me feel like I'm not so alone so I stick I do stick to the personal side of poetry a lot more and if you're not pissing somebody off you're not doing something right if you're not making somebody cry you're not doing something right but I think it's important to make people feel things well, that's very interesting. So you use it as a way to connect with other people and help other people heal and help other people feel like they're not so alone. That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly part of it. And I love to perform. I mean, everybody gets that little adrenaline kick. But, you know, at the end of a slam or at the end of a show that I do and somebody comes up to me and says something like, thank you for, for saying that or thank you for writing that or reading it or sharing it, all of a sudden everything just becomes so much more worth it and kind of shocks you back into remembering that it's not all about being a competition, that you actually write and perform and speak to help people who don't always have that option or who aren't comfortable saying things out loud. And what would you say to people who would love to get started writing for their own healing and haven't done that yet. I think that when you first start writing, for healing at least, you have to give yourself permission to say certain things and remind yourself that nobody else has to see it but you unless you decide that. But there's a lot of things that you say or a lot of things that you think in your mind and you don't want to quite admit it to yourself. But if you can give yourself permission to say it on paper, then you start to get a little bit further. And it's not going to be easy. There are some things that are going to smack you in the heart. It's going to hit you in the face and it's going to be painful, but... Crying is very therapeutic, and I think that, you know, when you write, it's a good thing to be honest, and it's a good thing to give yourself permission to do what, to say what you have to say and do what you have to do, and if you have somebody you trust, then it's even better to share it with them, and then eventually, you know, if you want to start performing or reading it at open mics, people are very loving and welcoming, and they, they want to hear what you have to say, and they care about the things that you have to say. Now, Eva, you have won awards and won competitions can you tell us about sort of the most exciting competition that you won? And then I also want to hear about how you got started. So I've, I've been doing this for a long time. I just turned 21. I started slamming poetry when I was 12. So I've done a number of competitions. I did a lot of middle school slams, a lot of high school slams. When I started to get older, I in my 
middle teenage years, like 16, I was doing the uh, Albuquerque Youth City team and we had gone to Los Angeles, California and we did this big show and we made it to final stage, you know, top four teams in the nation kind of thing. And I was on HBO and it was this really big deal. And and that was the most exciting thing I think I've ever done. But I think that the smaller things are what mean more. There, there are some competitions that kind of kick your butt and there are some that you kind of feel like you're breezing through. But so far, the most exciting thing I've done is to my 15 minutes of fame yeah. of being on HBO. But I remember getting started when I was when I was 12 and I was in middle school and there was like the poetry team at Jefferson Middle School and everybody was like, Eva, why don't you do that? And I was like, I don't know, I'm kind of scared. And then I had a friend who was like, let's go. So one day we went to poetry club and I just stopped being scared for a minute and I walked in and ever since then it was kind of just history for me and I just things got bigger when I first started when they didn't have a youth scene. So I was going out and doing poetry slams with the adults and you know, the some of the adults that are now my team members or my coaches remember me from when I was younger and they're like, wow, you've grown so much and you're not so mean anymore. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's been a long journey and I, I um, I'm glad I'm still doing poetry. I was never a big sports person. So when I found poetry, it was kind of like, hey, I can do this. And now I can tell you what to do because I know what I'm doing. <laughs> it sounds like you found your place. Yeah, that's definitely my place. And I think that when you feel like you don't belong somewhere, there's always a little niche that you belong in. And and it's wonderful when you find it. Oh, yeah. And you... And, and you just feel very comfortable in it. Um, I also wanted to ask you, your mom performed with you at the rail yard a few weeks ago when I was there. Um, how did your mom and you end up performing together? And did she write before you or did she start writing after you started? My mom definitely wrote before me. She was always been a writer. She's not a big performer. She's definitely more of a writer than anything else. The man who runs Rail Yards is Manuel Gonzalez. And he just he knows that me and my mom both write and that my mom's done a couple performances. So one day he just he asked us both, will you come perform as a mother daughter duo? And my mom is um. She writes a lot of confessional poetry, and she's come a long way, at least with her her stage performance, because she's got bad stage fright. But uh, she definitely wrote before me, and I, that's kind of where I got my writing from, the idea to write and to use that as healing. So now that I'm older, I'm more of a performer, and my mom's definitely still a writer. And, we, you know, ever since that Rail Yard show, actually, we've been getting booked multiple shows together all the time. So I, I guess we're doing a good job as a team. Yeah. And Eva, talk a little bit about the difference between male and female poets. Do you think that men talk about, uh, write about different things? And you've got a big smile on your face. You know, I always think it's funny because I think a lot of people think that Poetry Slam is a female-dominated sport or whatever. It is art, but it's really a male-dominated art. A lot of a lot of men are very heavy in this this field, and it's very rare to find like a badass woman that you're just like, wow, this she's kicking butt. You know, I can't even believe what I just heard. And you know, I think that I noticed that a lot of men tend to lean toward more political pieces or humorous pieces. Uh, I know a lot of rappers who who spit out some really personal stuff. I think that everybody kind of differs, but I definitely notice men are more more political. They also like to write love poems, and that's how they get the girl in the end. <laughs> and is there a difference between men and women in the art form and in the competitions? Uh, like you said, male it's male-dominated, even though people might think otherwise. Um, is it... Do you think that women are included as much as men? Are there any 
Is there anything about it you would fix? You know, I think that it it just it kind of is what it is. You know, I think some women get scared and they're they kind of back up a little bit and they're a little afraid to kind of throw themselves out there, which is why I think men end up more dominating this this art. But it just like anything else, it kind of it is what it is. And, you know, the people who are going to succeed are going to succeed. And just like a, a lot of things, I think that you just have to want it. You have to want to do this. You have to want to succeed. You have to want to get help to get better. And So I know you work also um, at various places at a restaurant and you tutor. Um, What is your goal for yourself as a poet? What is your professional goal and where where do you see yourself in five or 10 or 20 years? I think that I will always do poetry. That's non-negotiable. You know, I've coached teams. I've been on teams. I, I go to poetry events. My whole thing in my brain is that doing my art as as a career is not practical and my mom always pushes me in the other direction and she's like just do it and you'll make money and you'll be happy and I think I'll be happy but long term I want to be a social worker and I think I want to incorporate poetry into that and run a group home for teenagers and give them a different kind of a way out instead of you know whatever instead of being violent or doing drugs or whatever else everybody does you know I've seen it my whole life and I, I want to be able to fix people and help them and be the reason that they say, you know what, because you believed in me and gave me this outlet, now I can move on and do that for somebody else. And who believed in you when you were little? You know, honestly, my family. And I, I, I feel like that's a cliche thing to say, but my great-grandparents, my mom, everybody was always very encouraging. And not just with poetry, anything I decided to do, everybody was like, you know what, he thought you could do whatever you want to. And I did. And I found poetry and all of a sudden everybody was just like in in awe because I was so young writing all this really adult stuff. And I just stuck with it. And my family, come they come to my shows when they can and they want to listen to poetry. So sometimes I'll go to their houses and I'll perform poetry in my grandparents' living room. And, and I've always had my family as a big support. And those are the people who really believed in me. And especially my great grandma. She just, you know, she really pushed me to do everything that I wanted to do. Well, I've been speaking with Eva Crespin this afternoon. Uh, Eva is a, a poet in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Eva, do you want, want to add anything that we haven't already talked about? Poetry is a good way to do anything. I think that everybody should give it a shot at least to write. Show up to a poetry slam. Maybe you meet a cute girl. I don't know. That's that's all up to you. But, uh, you know, it's it's a good time. It's a good time. And let's just, let me ask you real quick again, since you brought that up, how can people get started besides going to a poetry slam and meeting people? um, How can they get started with their own writing? So um, poetry slams are kind of intimidating. That's why there's always an open mic before, just so everybody feels comfortable and nobody has to feel like they're being judged. Uh, There's a lot of in town readings. um, The best way to find stuff is at ABQ slams. You can just type it into Google and it'll pop up. Uh, they've got an event calendar and everybody, you know, everybody books their events and there's like three shows a month and people show up and that's the best way to get started is just to start going to open mics and talking to people. Somebody's going to talk to you and just make sure you stay involved. Okay. Great. Um, I've been speaking with Eva Crespin this afternoon. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was Eva Crespin, and now my interview with Carolyn Flynn. Welcome to the program, Carolyn. Thank you for having me on. I'm delighted to be here. 
Carolyn, you are an author as in addition to all of these other titles, you're the author of self-help books and other things. Um, how did you get started writing about self, self-help books? Well, it was a natural progression, I think, from being editor of Sage Magazine, because one of the things that Sage Magazine is all about is self-mastery and personal development. And so people just kind of gravitated to me and found me. I ended up writing seven books on topics like mindfulness meditation and creative visualization. So that theme has always been there. Okay. And when you wrote about mindful writing... You said mindfulness is a way to tame the wild horses of the mind. Mindful writing is a way to know those wild horses. Um, And then you go on to say it's a technique for unleashing your creative spirit, for allowing your imagination to go to the places that scare you. Can you talk about that? Yes, I love that idea, really, that idea of following your wild horses. Um, I think partly uh, writing for healing is writing about knowing yourself and knowing your mind. And what happens to a lot of us is that we live on the surface of life. And then when we drop down into that, we sort of meet those wild horses and they carry us away. And it's kind of a rough ride. It can be sort of scary. So that's why I really believe in cultivating the practice of writing and sort of meeting the page on a regular basis. For different writers, it's different things. It may be doing it in the morning every single day. You may be more of a sort of a binge writer where you kind of go in spurts and you gain some momentum and you get it going. And then you take an absence from it and you come back to it. But just some sort of regular practice of meeting the page every day. And I think that's because it's really the practice of knowing your mind. And you have to really sort of start to get very comfortable with what your daily concerns are, what captivates you, and what sort of can consume you and even start to get comfortable with your own consumptions. So, Because too often when we stay on the surface of life, even the introspected person, even the introverted person or the interdirected person that is the writer can live just really on the surface of life. And over the years, if we do this for many years, we start telling our stories that this is the way that it is. This is my story. This is who I am. This is what I want. And it may not actually be what you want. And that practice of writing and meeting yourself on the page is the practice of sort of revealing to yourself what it is that you truly want. Because you may wake up one day to find out that you have chased after something that you didn't even really want and not know why. And a lot of what we do when we're on these sort of searches and we're sort of sifting through um, the moments of life that captivate us or consume us is that we have been telling ourselves what we want and we believe it will alleviate some sort of pain or we believe we will just be happier. And um, I think really, really knowing that allows you to get past, deeper past your story so that you've gone beyond that. And is, do you think living on the surface is a conscious decision or is by the very nature of it, it's, it's not? And so at what point do people realize that it's not and make a change? Well, I think living on the surface is just sort of where we are as a culture, uh, with everything being faster, 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 and um, our connections are briefer 
I mean, we could now with social media connect with so many more people on kind of this quick level. Sometimes it's very meaningful because you really meet people that you otherwise would not meet. But generally speaking, it's all kind of quick connections and on the surface. And so you find yourself sort of being swept up on the tide of the culture and you have to have some other way of resisting it in order to be conscious of where you are. And like I said, this can even really be true for the inner directed person is that you kind of get on a certain sort of tide and swept away because you think that's where you want to go and it may not really be what you want to go. You may just have sort of gotten swept along in a certain story that you had about who you are and what you want to be. And can people heal themselves through mindful writing? I think they can. I mean, there is sort of the, um, you know, the thought if you have some real deep trauma, you need to be working with someone like a therapist. Um, But uh, working with a therapist, you can use the writing to find those places and and kind of have that person sort of standing with you as you go. Um, For people who are not, you know, experiencing trauma and really just wanting to really sort of look at how am I going to live the rest of my life, I think there there comes a point at midlife where you do start looking at those sort of questions of like, why did I make the choices I've made? How did I get here? Um, Writing can be very, very powerful in starting to answer those questions for yourself. And Carolyn, when do you think writing uh, departs from sort of a personal journal type of writing and becomes an art form? I think it's through the refinement. I think it's when we start to have understood our own experience so well that we start to see the patterns in it and we start to see how that experience connects with the universal Okay, and you also said that art is a way to bear witness to pain and transform it into meaning. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think part of um, that just showing up at the page is is training yourself really to build up that tolerance and kind of build up that stamina to bear witness to painful things. And I think just to know it and um, practicing being able to stand there and bear witness to it and not flinch from it is a wonderful thing to train your mind to do. Because then you can kind of see in some ways when you're starting to see something as painful, it may be something in your life that is undoing itself. Um, That consciousness that you bring to it and that ability to have that tolerance to stay in it and stay with it may be the thing that helps you actually usher your way out of a life that you didn't want to be in anymore and transition to a new kind of life. And Carolyn, at the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that you started writing self-help books as a natural progression from being editor of Sage Magazine, and that's a magazine specifically for women. So can you talk about the different um, writing uh, or the the difference between men and women as you have experienced it in your role? Yeah, I think that this the, the writing that we're talking about of writing for healing is is particularly vital for women. And I think it's because 
Though there have been so many changes in our society and women have so much more voice and power than really any other time in history, it, we, we're still not steering the culture. We are still not the dominant culture. And that dominant culture still has the power to kind of toss us away or silence us. And so I think that it really comes to it's even more important for women to have that self-knowledge. There was a recent story in the New York Times magazine about women and criticism, and it really highlighted why criticism goes so deep for women and why they often are seeking approval or stymied when they receive criticism. And I think it it can often hold them more so in a state of stasis, and we're talking generally um, about the way that people are sort of culturally attuned to respond. Um, Women more often are playing it safe or holding back or holding their light under a bushel. And this article really illuminated why. And it was saying that for thousands of years of patriarchy, women's survival depended on pleasing someone else. If you did not please someone, your husband or some other male authority figure, you really risked having no money, no one to look out for you. You couldn't own property yourself. Um, you couldn't own animals, so you could like have a farm and have livestock and have something to eat. Um, and many times you were banished, and then the, the choice was slavery or prostitution. So displeasing someone had mortal consequences. And I think that we, you know, just so many years of being sort of acclimated to that's how it is and experiencing it now as sort of we do on the subtler levels, I think that the, bringing it back to the writing and using writing as a tool for self-knowledge really helps women get down deep into that ways that they do react to criticism and how they get that power back in their voice. And Carolyn, in a recent conversation we had, you went further to say that many, many women actually fear losing it all or becoming homeless or just completely having to rely on someone else. And is that related to what you were just talking about? I think so. When I saw that article, it really illuminated for me this sort of idea of, you know, the bag lady fear <laughs> that I will end up like a bag lady. And, you know, I think that, you know, that that is deep. You know, it, it, it's in um, just people's experience around you. You've known women who've gone through a divorce and it was really, really devastating for them, not just emotionally, but financially, Um, or widows, you know, that still is out there. There's still stories out there. And I think it kind of touches something deep in our psyche. Um, Carolyn, would you share with our listeners some tips for writing to heal? What would you tell people if they wanted to get started doing something like this? I would say really commit to a regular practice, same time every day, whatever time really is natural for you. I think for many, many people, it's morning. 
And before everything else gets going, before that other train starts to leave for the day, before you start having those stories come into your mind of this is who I am, this is what I want, I'm on this track, and you've lost sight of it. And I think you have a few sort of precious minutes in the morning when you can really do a simple writing practice of what's on my mind. And so it's neutral. It's not a goal. It's like not this novel that I'm working on. It's really just simply what's on my mind. And that can be anything. So you can just sort of free write with that question in your in your mind and, and get started. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you're doing is you're sort of creating this archive where when you look back on it, you're going to – the human mind is sort of wired for pattern recognition. And when you can start to see the patterns of your own mind – Donnie Shapiro says this so wonderfully in her memoir on uh, – still writing is the name of it. And it's about the perils and pleasures of the writing life. Oh. And she, she says that, that – Again, she does still go through times when she isn't writing, and she won't have known that she has sort of really captivated something. I think that's where her memoir devotion came from, is starting to notice that she was starting to ask herself some questions about her spiritual heritage, and that in noticing that, she decided that she wanted to go deeper, and it's a wonderful, wonderful memoir. Would you read a passage from the book you're holding? I would. This is from Donnie Shapiro's Still Writing. And I think she just says it so well about how writing has changed her and shaped her. So here it is. Writing saved my life. Writing has been my window, flung wide open to this magnificent, chaotic existence, my way of interpreting everything within my grasp. Writing has extended that grasp by pushing me beyond comfort, beyond safety, past my self-perceived limits. It has softened my heart and hardened my intellect. It has been a privilege. It has whipped my ass. It has burned into me a valuable clarity. It has made me think about suffering, randomness, goodwill, luck, memory, responsibility, and kindness on a daily basis, whether I feel like it or not. It has insisted that I grow up, that I evolve. It has pushed me to get better, to be better. It is my disease and my cure. It has allowed me not only to withstand the losses in my life, but to alter those losses, to chip away at my own bewilderment until I find the pattern in it. Once in a great while, I look up at the sky and think that if my father were alive, maybe he would be proud of me. That if my mother were alive, I might have come up with the words to make her understand. That I am changing what I can. I am reaching out a hand to the dead and to the living and the not yet born. So yes, yes, still writing. Thank you. And that was from Still Writing, The Perils and Pleasures of a Creative Life by Donnie Shapiro. Carolyn Flynn, it's been a pleasure talking to you this afternoon. Uh, Do you have anything else that you want to add that we haven't covered? I think it's been wonderful. I'm so glad that you asked me this. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about. <laughs> um, I just, I have so much enthusiasm for writing on so many levels that I really want to just open that door to. It's, it's a wonderful thing because it's sort of like eating. 
you know, you eat every day and everyone can do that. And I think the same is true of writing. It's not one of those things that you have to have a certain pedigree to be able to do. You really just have to be committed to exploring. Thank you so much, Carolyn Flynn. That's it for our show today. I've been speaking with Eva Crispin, an Albuquerque-based slam poet, and Carolyn Flynn, an author and writer that helps individuals find their paths through mindfulness writing. I spoke with Eva and Carolyn about the power of writing, how it's shaped both of their lives, and how beginners can get started using writing as a tool for growth. You can get the freebie this week at wellwomanlife.com slash 042 show. Our monthly live events, Well Woman Drinks, and other events like the Deep Dive Workshops bring women together to share our successes and challenges as women leaders, moms, aunts, sisters, and all the other roles we carry. If you'd like to attend an uh, event near you, just email info at wellwomanlife.com or visit wellwomanlife.com slash events. If you enjoyed the show today, please take a moment and subscribe to the show in iTunes and leave a review. That really helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week and sharing it with women around the world. You can also continue the conversation in the Well Woman Life community group at facebook.com slash groups slash Well Woman Life community. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you are listening today, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week. 